Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode six of Weblapsed, and uh, this is like the fifth or sixth time I'm recording just this opening bit here. I keep wanting to call it X-Lapsed. I keep wanting to just, uh, I'm just messing up a lot today. Uh, it really kind of goes with the theme of uh, the day. Um, not the book we're going to discuss, just my day in general. It's been one of those uh, snake bit recording sessions here. Uh, Folks who record programs, or I guess folks who do anything, will know uh, that there were just some days where the parts just don't come together. And every time I sat down, whether it was to script, whether it was to record, whether it was to do just about anything, um, something would come up. And uh, so here I am, late night, <laughs> on uh, the day before this episode is going to be hitting the, uh, the old airwaves, and uh, finally... Finally getting to it. So um, without any further ado, let's uh, you know do the thing here. We're going to be talking about The Death of Doctor Strange Spider-Man number 1. Now this had a February 2022 cover day written by Jed McKay, pencils Marcelo Ferrara, or Ferreira, inks Wayne Foucher, colors Andrew Crossley with Peter Pendas Pantazis, easy for me to say, letters VCs Joe Caramagna, edits Kohik Lowe Sabolski, cover price $5. This one went on sale December the 1st. Of 2021. Now we open with a single page spread of ketchup and cred here, and I tell you, I was happy to see this because I was hoping that this bit might, you know, help get us up to speed. You know, those of us who aren't following the Death of Doctor Strange storyline, and I'm not following that, so uh, I was hopeful that this would get us up to speed. And heck, you know, maybe it does. <laughs> but I was really expecting a bit more. Then, uh, quote, Doctor Strange has been mysteriously murdered, unquote. Well, uh, I guess sometimes that's uh, all we need to go on, I suppose. And maybe at the time this came out, that's all that anybody knew. So uh, let's get into the story. We open in Peter Parker's hospital room where Felicia Hardy is looking on. She thinks to herself about Peter's plight, uh, both in and out of the webs. She says that he's always been so selfless, he's so giving of himself, but now... Here he is, uh, laying in a hospital bed that, A, he can't afford, and B, he may never get out of. She's soon joined by Spider-Ben, and the two have a rather contentious back and forth, as you might imagine. Felicia calls Ben a thief, you know, takes a thief to know a thief. Uh, she says that uh, he stole Peter's life. She tells him that if and when Peter finally passes on, I guess Ben will have everything he ever wanted. Which... It's not really fair, but I, I can I can get where she's coming from. Anyway, uh, the discussion uh, cannot go on any longer here because it's interrupted by the arrival of that dead guy, Doctor Strange. Well, a, a Doctor Strange enchantment, uh, wherein he delivers the news of his own death, as well as his need for Spider-Man to help him tie up some loose ends. 
And it's a bit of a laundry list that we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to be joining Ben and the Black Cat as they work their way through it. And now, if you uh, remember last episode, where we talked about, uh, what was it, issue 78.bay? Or 77.bay? Something.bay. <laughs> and uh, all the Beyond Tech there was... Uh, they used some really uninspired and unfunny humor um, to describe the Beyond technology. Uh, it was sort of like... What I would call like rapping grandma, LOL, random humor. You know, very low effort, like Nickelodeon sort of stuff. And, well, this list that Doctor Strange is going to give Spider-Man is um, chock full of more of that. Thankfully, you know, not to put the cart too far ahead of the horse here, the dialogue we get between Ben and Felicia is pretty great at times here, and uh, the attempts at comedy really are in the background. So let's get on with it here. Uh, We start our merry romp with Ben telling Felicia that, uh, you know, she really doesn't need to come with him on this job. And uh, he even drops a Spider-Man and his amazing friends line, which... Hey, that's what my brain looks like. Uh, I'm not sure I've rolled my eyes that hard in a little while. Anyway, uh, it's here where Felicia responds uh, by telling Ben that actually he doesn't need to be here since, um, you know, Doctor Strange's message was for Spider-Man and uh, Ben isn't actually Spider-Man. And she also reminds us that she recently saved Doctor Strange's life, which I'm going to assume happened in her own book, which uh, Jed McKay is, or at least was, the writer of. He may still be, for all I know. So anyway, our heroes arrive at Doctor Strange's place in order to chat up Wong about this to-do list. And we see Doctor Strange himself walking around in the background. Huh. Of this, Wong says that uh, it's complicated. I'll say. Uh, Wong notes that this Spider-Man that's currently in front of him isn't THE Spider-Man. And of this, Ben says that, uh, well, it's complicated. He does actually introduce himself as Ben Riley, though, and he says that they once uh, worked together, he and Wong, against the devil in Las Vegas. And a footnote asks if we remember a story called Damnation, and, well, that, no, I very much do not. Anyway, Wong gives Ben the list, and as he does so, we can see a woman janitor working the night shift in some office building. It's, uh, it's gonna be one of those stories, you see. Back to our heroes. Spider-Ben says that uh, we're heading into an Act 2 of Ghostbusters territory here. Uh, A lot of Strange's owned mystical protections will be fading with his death, and so it's going to be up to Spider-Man, or Spider-Man and Felicia, I guess, in order to keep things going smoothly. Now, Felicia does make it clear here that she's going to be coming with, but uh, not really for moral support, not for any sort of support, actually. She just wants to see Ben crash and burn in his attempt at being Spider-Man. And so let's start the list here. Task the first, in which we're dealing with a gator shaman. Shaman, however you say that. Uh, This is a character who, as far as I can tell, is making his first appearance here. And he's, um, well, here's the fake-ass comics history on him. He is a gator shaman, shaman, uh, who lives in the sewers and who commands um, gators. Now, the shaman, shaman, uh, tells his gators that uh, since Doctor Strange is dead... They're going to be marching on Broadway, and I think this is supposed to be funny. Um, Anyway, the heroes arrive, and Ben explains why it would be in the Shaman Shaman's best interest not to do that. Now, you see, these gators are albino gators. Doctor Strange, in his note, refers to them as one of New York's hidden wonders. And he fears that if word got out that these things existed, well, they'd be hunted down and exterminated with the quickness, especially if a Kravenoff happened to find out. 
Strange says that the world would be all that much poorer without them as there would be one less mystery. And that's a line that we're going to be coming back to in a little while. Now, the gator shaman, Shaman, is convinced and takes his charges back into the sewer. So one down, a whole bunch to go. Task the second is to stop the hungry Prince of Hearts, a fairy or an elf or a pixie that hunts for children's hearts. I think that's the kind of character that's like right up a Todd McFarlane's alley. I think he did that like twice in one year. In Spider-Man and Spawn, he had something hunting for kids' hearts or something like that. Anyway, by the time our heroes arrive on the scene, they find that Moon Knight has already taken care of the situation. Now, Moon Knight asks our heroes for clarification on the death of Doctor Strange, like, is it true? And uh, when they tell him that, yes, dude is in fact dead, MK expresses a bit of regret because he owed Stephen an apology for something. I wonder, is Jed McKay also writing the latest attempt at making Moon Knight a thing? I don't know. Uh, From here, we jump into a task montage. We're going to go with the fourth task, wherein uh, we are going to ensure that the spirit of Mammon remains bound in bronze. Now, this is a reference to a spirit being encased in the bronze bull on Wall Street. Now, mammon is a biblical term for riches used to describe the debasing influence of material wealth. Hence why he would be on Wall Street, I guess. Because, you see, wealth is a bad thing. Uh, Unless you're referring to the person who signs your Disney-branded checks. Task number eight, addressing the Chinese hopping vampires in Chinatown. Task 11 is to exercise the 666 train. Task 13, feeding the Central Park Dragon some hot dogs Task 17, there will be mummies Task 20, appeasing the spirits of Jimmy J.J. Walker I I don't know, Uh, we're just cramming as many like Nickelodeon level jokes into this thing at this point Uh, Again, you know, like we said last time we had a $5 book that Hey, it's a $5 book, we need to cram as many pages into this as we can Anyway, from here We jump back to that janitor from before who is still cleaning the offices and slips on some glop. And, uh, I swear, the first time I read this, I was sure she was dead. And, I mean, even if she does survive, it looks like she's having a pretty tough night. Now, while we're seeing this scene play out, we have a conversation between Ben and Felicia going on in the foreground as they come to terms with the death of Doctor Strange. Now, Ben shares a story that Aunt May once told Peter about the village doctor. You know how we only ever think about doctors when we're sick or in need, and when we're healthy, we don't pay them all that much mind. And so, when a doctor's in need, they're often left to fend for themselves. By the time anyone else realizes that a doctor's in need, it's often too late. And I get that this is a decent little anecdote, and maybe it's just my overall Marvel lapsedness talking here, but, um, was Doctor Strange really that big a deal? I I get that he's a pretty big mover and shaker in the movies right now, but... Every time they try to make him seem important in the comics, it feels very, very forced. Not quite as forced as, like, the Inhumans or the Externals, but forced all the same. Anyway, that might just be me. Back to the list here. Uh, Task 21, uh, there are going to be these baby goblins driving a car through Manhattan, raising all sorts of hell. And Ben is not happy to see goblins, to which Felicia tells him that, uh, well... If he really has his heart set on being Spider-Man, then, uh, well, Spider-Man's got to come to grips with the fact that uh, there will be goblins. Now, the car that these goblins are driving nearly hits a hobo who's mindlessly pushing their shopping cart across the street, but Spider-Ben is able to bring the ride to a skid and a halt before the bum went squish. 
Now, Ben, of course, gets no credit or even a thank you for this selfless act, which, I mean, that's basically Spider-Man's lot in life, isn't it? Now, Ben asks who Felicia left watching Peter, and we see that it's her buddies from her own book, and I get the feeling that we're supposed to be chuckling here. Uh, I'm not. Uh, maybe it is funny, and I just don't know it. I don't know. Anyway, before heading out on the last task, uh, they talk a little bit more about a world without Doctor Strange, and uh, we get that line about how there's one less mystery in the world, and I think that works here. I think that's a, uh, a, very, a fairly uh, poignant thing to say here, but... Um, Let's get into the last task, and, um, well, you know how we've been popping in on that janitor a few times during this issue? Well, that wasn't for nothing here. Uh, we are going to check back in with her, and, uh, hey, good news, she didn't die when she slipped and cracked her head open a few pages ago. Anyway, this task, number 22, is to bring this woman, a Jimena Garcia, a soft pretzel and make sure that she safely gets on her bus home. And so, Ben and Felicia, in their civilian clothes, do just that. Now, they tell Himena that they are here on behalf of Stephen, and they talk a bit about Doc Strange being the village doctor. Uh, Himena doesn't know that he is Doctor Strange here, and uh, she doesn't even know that he's dead. They tell her that he's doing fine, he was just um, otherwise engaged, right? And they're here on his behalf, of course. And uh, Himena says that uh, talking to Stephen always seemed to do the trick for her. You know, he would sometimes meet her here after a hard day at work or hard night at work, and he would always have a soft pretzel and an ear to, you know, listen. Turns out that this would do the trick for her each and every time. Which, that's a sweet story, but I, I don't know that I'd advise taking a gift of, you know, a soft pretzel from some weirdo with a mustache at an inner-city bus stop before the sun comes up. But what do I know? Now this, for whatever reason, brings Felicia to tears, which... To me, and this might just be cynical Chris crap here, it only ramps up how artificial and forced all of this feels. Now, this takes us to our wrap-up, where Ben appeals one last time that he needs to be Spider-Man right now. And he compares a world without Doctor Strange, as if anybody would notice, to a world without Spider-Man. Because you see, there's nothing they can do about Strange being gone right now, but, well, there can be a Spider-Man. Ben can be Spider-Man. And he reminds us all that Peter is off the table right now. Also, that Miles... Well, maybe one day Miles can be the Spider-Man, but that day is not today. So for better or worse, Ben Riley is the best thing they've got for the moment. Now, Felicia's through arguing. Ben wants to be Spider-Man, fine. Be Spider-Man. For now. But rest assured, she will get Peter out of that bed, and we will be getting our status quo back. Probably just in time for uh, Pretend to Care About Comics Day 2022. We close out with Ben saying that he thought Felicia wanted to get into bed with Peter, not get Peter out of bed, and that's where we're going to leave it. Next episode, we are back to Beyond Proper with Amazing Spider-Man number 79, I think. But uh, for now, let's talk about this one here. Uh, now let me get it out of the way here, and I've already said this throughout the synopsis, the attempts at comedy didn't really work for me. You know, a lot of that missed. So if I can separate all the attempts at comedy, as well as, like, the forced import of Doctor Strange on, like, every single person in the Marvel Universe. If I can remove all of that from the story, I feel like we have a good and worthwhile story here, which really does pay a fair bit of mind to the ongoing Beyond landscape. Unfortunately, I mean, I can't ignore the fact that it is kind of buried under a lot of shtick and schlock and pseudo-sentimentality, which, I, I mean, I'm, I suppose there's an audience for that. Um, if you're reading The Death of Doctor Strange, if you're invested in that story, then this is going to be great. I'm not, and I'm not. 
but I am invested in this Beyond story here, so there is still something for me to appreciate. It's just buried under a lot of stuff that I really don't. It's not saying it's a good or a bad thing, it's just a thing that I'm not following. And so for me, a lot of this felt uh, a little bit try-hard. And I'm talking about the attempts at humor and sentimentality, that is. Uh, the story, though, if we, you know, like I said, if we can push aside everything else, the Spider-Man story here is a good one. And definitely a worthwhile addition to the Beyond storyline. Let's get into a little bit of nitpicking here. I want to talk about one of my biggest takeaways from a few episodes back, uh, wherein Ben is trying to recall a story or an experience or an anecdote, but finds that he cannot. Now, this led to me discussing, perhaps for a little too long, uh, the possibility that before the Beyond era is over, we might actually have a Spider-Man without any, you know, Parker influence slash guilt. Now, if you remember, I did compare this to a Flowers for Algernon sort of situation where Ben would forget all the lessons learned from his, or I guess Peter's, youth. Maybe even, you know, paying off some of the original, or I guess the 90s clone sagas, all the power, none of the responsibility. You know, that that's something that I'd be interested in seeing. Here, though, I mean, Ben is able to remember this village doctor anecdote from Peter's youth without, you know, even a hiccup. Not that I need Ben to struggle with every memory. It's just that, uh, and uh, this might be a Chris problem, I found the scene where he couldn't remember to be so poignant, so telling, and uh, so this maybe took a little bit of the wind out of my sails. Um... Well, this and the news about how editorial's already over this entire Brave New Direction, I guess that's left my sales relatively windless. And again, this could just be a Chris problem. And actually, let's roll a little bit with the Chris problems here, uh, where I can say that, you know, like I said, I don't know much about the death of Doctor Strange story, so I really can't speak to it. I will say, uh, just judging by the title of the event, and again, I'm projecting, <laughs> um, I'm getting... Like severe flashbacks to Bill Jemis asking why Marvel was putting out a miniseries called Search for Cyclops when the ending was already a foregone conclusion. Of course, a search and a death are two different things, but this uh, whole miniseries led to Jemis asking, you know, why did Marvel bother to kill Cyclops in the first place if they were always going to, you know, plan on bringing him back and bringing him back pretty quickly? Now, I don't know if Doctor Strange will be coming back or hell. I mean, he already could be back for all I know. But I'm definitely getting those Jemis vibes here. This whole thing feels like something that will only be important, like, right this minute. Which is, like, one of the bigger problems that I have with the comics industry as a whole. It's all about, like, let's let's milk as much as we can out of something right now and not really worry about what's to come because, you know, everything will fall into place and the people who are already, you know, too addicted to stop are going to still be around. So we can just do whatever we want. That's the overall impression I get of a Death of Doctor Strange story. I mean, this time next month or next year, I figure it'll probably barely warrant a footnote. I could be wrong. Hopefully I am wrong. But that's just what my gut and, uh, you know, 30-plus years of comics fandom are, are telling me. Now, let's shift over to where I feel like this issue shined. And, of course, that was with the interactions between Spider-Ben and Black Cat. I'm really appreciating this take on Ben, where he's kind of taken an about-face from how we saw him back in Amazing Number 75. Back in that issue, if you remember, our first episode, he was unapologetic about taking the Spider-Mantle and literally told Peter that he wasn't asking permission to do so. Here, though, he's getting a refresher on the power and responsibility aspect of the role. As I mentioned, he's got the power, 
but he's going to have to earn the title. He doesn't have Black Cat's respect, but knows that he needs it in order to be as effective as he possibly can be. And it's interesting. And uh, I really like how they've made Felicia so important here. Because, like, you think about it, why should Ben care if the friggin' Black Cat respects him? Or if the Black Cat sees him as the Spider-Man, even in the interim sense? Well, it's because she's important to Peter. And Peter's important to her. Ben is an outsider, which is something it's easy to forget when he's also our focus character. And uh, I feel like he's doing the hero thing backwards. You know, if we were to look at origin stories or, like, first outings of many heroes, it's usually something like, hero does good deed and therefore is seen as, you know, a hero. Ben's case is different. Ben can do all the good deeds, but that's not going to make him a hero. At least not the hero he wants to be, if, if that makes sense. Like, sure, the random New Yorker sees a red and blue webby costume and they know that they're looking at Spider-Man. But the rest of the superhero community, not so much. Ben's got to earn it. He needs to be the hero so he can do the good. But in order to be the hero, he needs to do the kind of good that'll make the rest of the community respect him and let him be that hero. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes sense in my feeble mind, but I'm not sure I'm properly putting it into words. Hopefully, hopefully you can get the, the poignance of uh, the plight I'm putting on Ben right here. So here's the question. Did Ben earn the Spider-Man title here? Uh, at least in Felicia's eyes? Well, kinda, I guess. I think I would have rather Black Cat come to this realization in a different book, and maybe with a different story than just being the backdrop to a Doctor Strange cross event. But, um, I mean, she's a McKay character for the moment, so I guess this is where it's going to happen. Fair play, right? Um, anyway, so overall, this was a, a sort of mixed issue for me, with more good than bad. Really, you know, not any actual bad at all. Just some underwhelming bits and bobs to get through in order to get to the good stuff. I would say this is certainly worth a read, and is definitely, in my opinion, a good and valuable addition to the Beyond Mythos. But uh, I think that's about all I have to say here. And now, considering that it's very late, and I'm only a few hours away from, you know, starting to record episode 7 of this program, I'm just gonna... We're going to ease our way out the door right here. I'll just give the contact information and remind you all that X-Lapsed episode 300 is currently being put together, and um, I would love to hear anybody's thoughts on the X-Books, on the show. Uh, anything you want to talk about, I would love to include it in that program. So you can write to me, you can call into the voicemail. Anything you want, whatever's easiest, is fine by me. So if you would like to do that or talk to me about anything, you can reach me several different ways. On Twitter, I'm at Ace Comics. On Instagram, at 90sxmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com or call into the X-Lapsed voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes and another place you can leave comments, you can go to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. The little group is 90sxmen. For the complete audio archives, you can head to chrisandreggie.podbean.com or search for Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill or any of these programs on pretty much any search engine. You'll probably find us. Finally, there is the Patreon, patreon.com slash xlapse. You'll get some exclusive audio content, some exclusive written content, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and a wonderful group of folks to interact with. So that's going to do it for me for now. I'd like to thank you all so much for spending some of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya!